Do you love the Bad Film Club? Consider supporting us through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you want to give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in our show description to support us in any way that you can. We really appreciate it. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's a Monday. So I'm as yeah. good as I can be on a Monday. Um, we're the Bad Film Club. We talk about bad film. Uh, I'm Holly Gordon. And I'm Shanae Vagela. And this week we're doing the 2003 film How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I love this film. I think it's so bad that it's so funny. I I really find it very comedic. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed watching everyone else watching it with me squirm. My parents actually watched it with my me. My dad actually laughed out loud, which I thought was quite funny, um, because he's like a very reserved man, and it was just jokes. So I don't know. Is that a good film review? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have. So I enjoyed it for its like nostalgia because it's like got that two thousand early two thousand esque rom com feel. Yeah, which is super <laughs> nice and super nice. It's just super nice, super easy to watch. But yeah. why the hell is it two hours long? Like why that? Do you know what? And I really forgot that it was that long. Why is it that long? It really didn't need to be that long. It's on Netflix, so it's easily uh, accessible to anyone it's on uk netflix i don't know about anyone else but it's uh i went to click to watch it for the podcast and i looked at the time and i was like what the fuck i thought this would be like a 90 minute easy rom-com film but no also two hours long and it has a really shit stupid ending like it really ends abruptly for a film that's like two hours long right it's one of those things where the climax happens in the last 20 minutes of the film because everything is building <laughs> up to it and it's just it's so yeah. frustrating but um I can't remember her. I have seen this film before, but I saw it when I was obviously really young and I haven't ever watched it again. Or Mm. I haven't watched it in the last, like, good 10 years. So I kind of, like, forgot a lot of the details to it. Like, I... And it's it's one of those films that sounds like a lot of all the other films that uh, were made around that time. So I mix it up with a lot of other films. But, um... Yeah, it's it's a film. It's just it's, ridiculous. Yeah, it's I was a, actually, it was made. Uh, I was, I forgot the cast, so I knew that yeah. like, Matthew McConaughey was in it, but then I forgot yeah. like the female cast of it, and I was mm. pleasantly reminded that who was in it. But um, yeah. the quick rundown of the plot is: <sighs> Kate Hudson plays Andy. At, um Anderson, which we'll get to the name. <laughs> we'll talk about that as well, which is so the, funny. Yeah, the names are like <laughs> the names are ridiculous. And she plays a she's a journalist for a women's magazine called Composure. Matthew McConaughey plays 
an appetizing executive which really... i knew you would make that face i knew you would make that face and it made me this is what powered my comedic the comedic value of it because i knew we were going to talk about it and i knew that the face that you were going to make and it just made me laugh so hard because i can imagine if we watch because in a normal time not in a pandemic but we would have watched this film together and we would have screamed at the screen and i really enjoyed that like mental image uh i <laughs> For not for people who don't know, this is not my full time job. I work in advertising, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. and um, he's an ag- advertising executive. And so basically, before meeting, they both separately make these deals. Kate Hudson has to write; she basically has, writes a column about how to do things for women, how to like dress for your body shape, how to do this, blah, 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 what kind of makeup to wear. So she proposes a column, or her boss proposes a column about how to lose a guy in 10 days, essentially the don't, the do, like a list of all the things not to do when you're starting to date a guy. Yeah. On the, on, whilst that's happening, Matthew McConaughey and his team, <laughs> his yeah. team, his competitors, art, his team, and yeah. um, they decide, they basically give him the challenge to make because he's about that the, his agency is about to win an account it's a big jewelry account and the argument is that i don't even really get the proposition of this like it's like oh it's a jewelry account so di- like women love diamonds but they are it get twisted into the point that he's never made a girl fall in love with him basically he's like imbued with this self-confidence in that he says that he should get the account versus the two female the, the female team that want the account and that that is that is given the account in the first place um and he wants it because he wants to break into the jewelry market uh, i'm saying this all in quotation marks if you don't hear from the inflection in my voice but um <laughs> it's such a stupid premise but basically he says that he should get the account because he can sell diamonds and they're just like well if you knew anything about women you'd be able to do it which you don't so he bets them that he can make any woman fall in love with him in 10 days in order to win the account. Win win the pitch, win the opportunity to do the pitch that would win the account because yeah. he believes that he, him and his like charm charisma can essentially win this big account because he's uh, pigeonholed, I guess-ish, into very specific sports and stuff, like sports accounts. Yeah. Which, now thinking about it as a woman in advertising, is such a dick move. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and essentially they meet at a bar and then it's the kind of, it's the span of Will 10 Well, they days. won't they? Yeah, it's the yeah. 10 days of them, him trying to make her fall in love with him and her trying to basically... Drive him away. Drive him away. And then it climax, it like basically... The big climax is at the end at this big party or whatever. Uh, anyway. This film is like people watched all of those like teenage films. You know, like She's All That, where there's all of these like makeover slash bets going on that yeah. happened in the like late 90s, those kinds of films. And then I think someone was in the writer's room and was just like, you know what? You know who needs this? 20 year olds. 20-something-year-olds need this, apparently. So we're going to make real-life adults do this, which is a bad elevator pitch, and I don't understand how it got made, but then I do understand how it got made because the writing team is ridiculous on this. So the the two... the There's a two... 
screenwriter team. They're Kirsten Buckley and Brian Reagan. And they both co-wrote the live-action 102 Dalmatians. Are you serious? Icons. (laughs) Absolute icons. Absolute visionaries in their work. Oh my goodness. Wow. They can be forgiven for this film instantly. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then the other guy is called Burr Sears, who's Mm. randomly the nephew of Gore Vidal. And is also the director of Seventeen again. You know the Zac Efron film. <laughs> oh, oh, I had a great time doing the research for this film. Like it just made me laugh so hard because I just was not expecting it. And then the director is the guy that directed um nineteen eighty eight film Mystic Pizza. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's Julia Roberts working in a pizza place. That one. And Miss Congeniality, which is a great, a great, great iconic film. And then the worst film that I've ever seen. I think even worse than Holiday. Holiday. Is it Little Italy? Yeah. <laughs> How did you know? I was going to say that. <laughs> because I know, I know that is like, it's it just, it is one of those films that is so ridiculous. I know exactly. I can't believe that film. Maybe we should do that on this podcast because it was so bad, but it was so funny. Like we should play, a, we should, no, but we should do a drunk version of that film. We'll do that for like our end of season episode and then we'll just get drunk while we watch mm-hmm. it. It'll be great. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like from that kind of um, writing team and directorial team, I kind of understand how they made this film, but I don't understand how they were like, this is a real strong premise, let's go with it. Like, who greenlit this? Why? Yeah, so they're the people that made it. It's, just, it's a good, it's a, surprising, it's a good team with a lot of mm. like background and experience in these kind of films. It's just one of those, it's just a bit of a weird film. Uh, the cast is impressive though. So obviously it's Ooh. Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey play the two main characters. Supporting yeah. is Catherine Hahn is the typical best friend. Um, yep. Uh, <laughs> but I love her. And uh, Annie Perret. So I and um, we don't know what she been in. I don't know, but she looks really. She looks like she was on a lot of like those that time period. I feel like she was in a lot of TV. Because I really recognise her face. Yeah. Um, Adam Goldberg, who, if who if you don't remember, uh, is in... He's in Zodiac, but he's also in... He's the guy in Friends. Friends. He's the... Joey's one of Joey's roommates in Friends. No, one of Chandler's roommates when Joey moves out. The one with the... Yeah, the guy that goes a bit crazy because he thinks that Chandler murdered his fish. What is that man's name? You're going to say it right now. Thomas Lennon. Yeah, he's also in Seventeen again. He's he's in the Night in the Museum. He's a uh, Zac Efron's fake dad in Seventeen again. Um. Okay. Well, the main cast essentially is those two main characters plus like their little like separate groups of friendship friendship groups. groups mm. Which, first of all, which I did actually notice as I was watching this, and I think this is a thing that is repeatedly off. Are very like very common in like early two thousand esque films is that mm. their the main character's close circle of friends is their work friends 
and I felt very like oh this doesn't feel relatable but <laughs> <laughs> like but it I guess it's probably for ease because they can't overdo it with characters but again like they I just thought oh would I be this close to my work friends it just one of I mean, just... some of them but but like I all of both sets of them have like their best friends their best two friends are the two friends that they work with yeah it was just something I noticed mm-hmm. quite quickly and I was like this is interesting but it's very of that time of those films that the yeah for sure that their work and personal life very much overlap um and not yeah. and or not separate also you, we forgot to mention that in the cast there's bb newworth as well is lana the editor of composure and a lot of you will remember her from uh jumanji as the aunt <gasps> what a babe she's in the 2019 jumanji film as well yeah she is so um which are good films but yeah i can't unsee her (laughs) yeah i can't unsee that i can't unsee her as the aunt from jumanji Mm. so whenever she plays someone a little bit mean i'm just like no you're you're the aunt Mm. Mm. this film this film got okay so its budget was 50 million dollars which again i think mostly went on the basketball scenes personally Uh, yeah for, for sure and then probably salary uh, and probably diamonds as well. Yeah, but were they fake? There's a lot of diamonds in this film. Pardon? Do you think they were fake? Like, for act, for like act, for acting, for filmmaking? I don't know, because it's a good... I feel like it's a good uh, product placement for that Isadora Diamond. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, true, 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 true. So maybe they had to rent that one out. <laughs> I think it's good product placement, but I don't know. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. It's, I couldn't find anything that said they were real or they were fake, you know? Yeah. Oh, no! The diamond is real. The diamond is real. The one that she wears is definitely real. I read that. Oh, I guess because it's... Because it's... Oh! Closer. Because it's worth... Because <laughs> I was looking at it. Um, Because it's worth $6 million. Oh, my goodness. I know. And she wears it for, like, what, five minutes? But it's worth $6 million. And it just made me, like, hold my face. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... Tell like yeah. someone to explain. I mean, I, I it's each their own, but someone please explain to me the excitement of having diamonds and like a really expensive necklace. I'm I um am a person who wears very maybe little to no jewelry, so that's probably why I don't mm-hmm. understand it. But yes, I also would be too scared to like walk around with her. It's something very expensive, like around my neck. Do you know what I mean? I think it's uh, maybe it's because we're from London and we're just like not. <laughs> We're just not. I'm just. I don't want to get mugged on the tube, man. Like, no. can we not? Exactly. But you know, um, this film is very. I like what you said. I think I really agree in that it's very 2000s. It's really got that like straight in. Got that really 2000s vibe. Do you know what this is? This, I this <laughs> is also what I've noticed. The this film plus all the other ones that are set in New York in the early 2000s make New York look like a much more livable city than it actually is. 100%. It looks so big. It looks so less... It looks really less congested than you know it would be. It looks like the idyllic city life that you imagine or grow up... Like, when you grow up and romanticise New York. That's, like, kind of the... Obviously, the New York that you imagine you'd move to. Then you actually go to New York. And it's nothing like that. <laughs> I would also say no. that, like, this is also similar to, like, the New York you see in, like, Sex and the City. Because it's, again, yeah. idolised and seen through, you know, privileged white women. But still, it's 
fictionalize and romanticize and this is how a lot of people growing up kind of then start to wish they could go there and then they get a bit of a cultural shock. Mm. I would say it's also probably the same with London. Yeah, for sure. I hate some, a lot of the time hate how London is portrayed on, in films, unless it's like a British film. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it made £177.4 million pounds in box office. It's got Matthew McConaughey. I'm not surprised. It's got Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson in it. So it's got a good cast. I feel like and yeah, I, and the, I, the people go for it. Yeah, um, it's just it's probably one. It came out in January. It feels like one of those films that you like in the 2000s. You would go and see on a date night, though, for sure. Yeah, it was. It's, you it know, feels like I a feel Friday like it night. was a long. Friday night date night. Yeah, it was like a long stream of those kinds of films that came out around the same like five year period of like the the like rise of the rom coms again. Um and yeah, mm-hmm. I just feel like I can see why it made money, I guess. I mean I think Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey's uh, like their chemistry is very like nice to watch. It is it's just yeah. like this I I feel like just the the thing that I feel like is bad about this film is... Well, we're going to get on that now, actually. Yeah, so is this, the things that I think are bad about the film are the things that they have to do. So for me, it's kind of the script is... It's like they wanted to make, as I said just before this, like it's like they wanted to make those 90s films for the same people, but like now grown up a bit. And it just doesn't really work like none of the things that they would do a make sense and b are not things that normal humans do and then c are just like so you're both professional humans and then you're doing like the last one of the last scenes is like them doing karaoke in front of everyone and it's one of my like top 10 most cringy moments of my life watching a screen like I I couldn't look at it but I couldn't not look at it but I couldn't look at it and I was just like how how is the climax like come to this and yeah that's what the the finger I've just put on it is that this film is bad because it's so cringy I cringed the whole way through I couldn't yeah. I couldn't handle it I, it's like the reason I think it's a bad film is that it's really uncomfortable to watch because mm. The minute this ho- these two propositions are then, or these two deals are made, you know that it's never going to end well. So you're just having to yeah. suffer through all of yeah. these like different scenarios where you know Kate Hudson's character is about to um, do something ridiculous to make uh, Matthew McConaughey's character uh, be put off by her, and then it, and then he's going to, even though it, he's put off, he's still going to carry on dating her because he's trying to also win his bet and there's something really strange I mean I know it obviously it was done for comedic value and it was done obviously in the 2000s but there's something very strange that is trying to play with someone else's emotions for person or for professional gain and mm-hmm. and I think like now if you were to do that kind of stuff now it wouldn't fly really I mean, this film wouldn't be made now, for sure. Let's just stop, jump to that because it, it just wouldn't be made, firstly. No. And secondly, that's what that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, this whole thing about them having this bet, this is not... It's not a premise. Like, this is not a real-life premise. 
this is not how people like me and fall in love and how it's just ridiculous like this would never ever happen it's based on a short <laughs> it's not even based on like a book it's based on a short cartoon book of the <laughs> yeah, same name by yeah who's it michelle alexandra and Je- Jenny janine long jenny long uh, yeah. they they made a cartoon and then this film got made a two hour film <laughs> based off a cartoon. I mean, fair play to them. We said why it's about why we think it's about film. Are there any scenes or moments in the film that you thought that were particularly uncomfortable or like and awful to watch? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them. Okay, so so let's just take it as we go. But basically. I really hate this trope in this film of like women. Ugh. I really don't like how they're just like, okay, so they open this film with, with magazine covers, which is the most cringiest and like very 2000 graphics, um, which made me laugh really hard. Mm. And then it's, but like, it's kind of effective because it tells you what she does without telling you what she does, which is nice. But then they have to explain it to you in the first five minutes. Like it wasn't in your face already. But they're open with her like doing really weird stuff with magazine covers and it's like how to, and I just wrote them down, so how to feng shui your apartment, how to get a better bod in five days, how to talk your way out of a ticket. And it's like shots of her doing all these things. And it's really stupid. Then, <laughs> then it opens. I will say right now, I really enjoyed the credits, opening credits. Just yeah. They were kind of funny. but It was so funny. I... But I think they're also very ridiculous and it's like obviously gross at the same time. Yeah, because it's just like, okay, so women only write about these things and like all the magazine covers, like on all of them, there's like um, how to get your own orgasm, how to get like how to get your body this way, like what how to impress men, like all of those covers have them on it. Fine, whatever. Is is that really what 2000s magazines look like? I'm not sure. Like I worked at a magazine... I definitely think that the, uh, in the early 2000s, in films specifically, there was this big craze of women working in journalism. In magazines. In magazines, like fashion yeah. magazines, because they knew, and yeah. it definitely, I think it definitely had a big impact on young girls and what they wanted to do with their career For because they, sure. because they definitely saw it and it did, it bit me with the bug too. So I wanted to try and work, get into like magazine design and mm-hmm. it just made it look possible but obviously you know now but it also makes it look so fun and glitzy lo- and glamorous and it's not like that you yeah know? it makes it look so much more so yeah super fun um again with the add-on that you like you're generally guaranteed you're like what guaranteed to work in new york because no other magazine is what is working outside of new york at all god forbid yeah and yeah. it's just one of those um things because i definitely remember in like the early 2000s these trashy kind of women's women focused magazines were really popular but we didn't I guess in it's now hindsight that we realized that they weren't actually they were like feeding like misogynistic kind of views back into us is because they were because it was all just internalized and it was all it was and uh Kate Hudson's character makes it quite clear quite early on that she's working here just to kind of get experience until she can write what she wants which is um like more political but this is exactly the trope that i hate because she's shitting on other women 
to be like, oh, I'm better than you, but I'm a, like, I'm not like, she's doing that whole, the character that they've written for her is that whole, I'm not like other girls. And it fucking pisses me off. Like, I hate that trope. But like, she it's is such exactly a... like every other girl because she's... Like, you're blonde-haired, you're blue-eyed, you're beautiful. Like, I'm sorry, you got a hard life. You went... Like, they have to drop it in within... This is what this is what my point that I was making was. So they do all this stuff about her doing all these, like, how-to things and kind of undercutting and she, how she really doesn't enjoy it and she thinks it's really stupid. And then the film opens with her, like, right finishing this article about... Tajikistan and like having peace there and she's basically it's a political piece of like how she's so worldly because it's a country in Asia Central Asia that like not many people know about and all this stuff like I'm a serious journalist like you can't work at a magazine and have other interests or have other political opinions or be nuanced or anything like that which is such a fallacy to me because I'm just like I mean do you know how many tests you have to go through to get these jobs are you joking so firstly that secondly because they make her job look really stupid so then it makes all these other women look really vapid is the like best way that i can put it which is like really harsh yeah and then she they like continue with this trope of her being like quote unquote not like other girls which makes me really like angry and also awkward because i'm just like oh i really hate this so they like she's always eating meat she's always like shoving a burger in her face she loves the nick she's like super vocal about sports like they drop that in within the first maybe 10 minutes of this film to make sure like that you know that she's really cool and you know collected and she would never be one of those girls like and then they pit her against the Catherine Hans character who's like crying about her breakup and they've only been they'd only been dating a week and she told this guy that she loved him after they had sex and she cried after they had sex. So they like put them against each other as like stark contrast. Like these are the only two women that you can be. Yeah. It's like, there's no in between. There's no, it's like, there's, these are the only types of women that ever are. And yeah, it's, and it's like the third, and then the third woman in their little group is not even developed or she's very, no, not at all. You don't don't really know. know, Yeah. You don't know what she's, what she's like or what she does outside. It's very much just, Catherine Hahn and Kate Hudson's character. Yeah, I agree. I with everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> not that they that. like not that Matthew McConaughey's character comes off much better because in his first five minutes, he's like gone up to his competitor who's reading composure just on the sidewalk, which is really weird. She's just standing in the street reading this magazine. Again, a very too early two thousands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. 100%. And then he's just, but then I wrote down what he said. He said, what you reading there, girl? Catching up on your current events. Like, he's also taking part in that, like, taking a piss out of a fashion magazine and stuff. Like, men don't read GQ all the time. Like, they got a fucking hard-on for it. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I think there's... Um, it's just this... this like, these all these points that we're, well, like you've mentioned and then we're, we're discussing is, like, it's all because... It means that the film is aged badly in that sense because it doesn't translate to what a working woman is like now and now the dating and how the dating scene has changed drastically and what people and people are like now living for a work life balance a lot more people I mean there's online dating now which was Mm -hmm. not even mentioned in the in the film and I just think that 
they may, they probably think oh Catherine no sorry Kate Hudson's character looks is is like a working woman she's really like independent she's got everything going for her but it's still fueled by this like undercurrent of just misogyny yeah she's lonely so. still and all the shit but like this is only six minutes in guys like we're like six minutes in and then Matthew McConaughey has already taken his shirt off <laughs> like I just don't understand like this so this film is written for women and I'm just like okay so but we're gonna still be sexist I, I don't get it yeah so they agree to these terms or they agree both separately agree to these um uh deals and then they met meet at the same bar with just by coincidence mm-hmm. but on the way to the bar the Catherine Hahn and the other character I don't even know what her name is I can't remember it Jenny and Michelle that's the yeah, okay two there you go set that Jenny and Michelle they're the two friends of Andy and yeah. they basically are walking to the bar and they're discussing, like, they're listing off the things that men don't like that women do. Yeah. So they don't like clingy. The, the list is they don't want clingy, needy, touchy-feely women. They also don't like it when you call them up at, in during the night and tell you what you've eaten during the day. Yeah. And I thought there was a lot of, like... I mean, it happens enough times in this film for me to bring it up, but there was a lot of this kind of old-fashioned or just really frustrating notion or belief that like men don't like women who eat <laughs> yeah and, yeah 100%. and it's just like all of my like male friendships my relationships have all realistically centered around food <laughs> yeah i mean all of our, like my 90 percent of my personality centers around what i ate like yeah it's just like food, <laughs> food is the best thing you can share with someone yeah for and sure. It's just painting this, again, this picture that women, like, don't eat in front of men or they're very private about what yeah. they do eat. And when and so the only couple of times that we do see them eat, the women eat, is when they're together. But we never see... And the only time that we see Kate Hudson's character eat in front of him is that she's, like, crying and trying to make a more dramatic thing about it and I it just pisses me off for sure for sure but I also feel like that this is a trope that is perpetuated by film and specifically in like the 90s and 2000s it's like a thing that's really there like you're totally right I completely agree with you and it's so punctuated in this film and also now that you've said it I can think of at least 10 instances in other films of this time period that have that and Mm. I have never met a man that's like, like, what do you mean? Like, you're going to, why would you, like, they'd always be like, why are you getting a salad? Like, there's, we're literally at a burger place. Why the fuck would you get a salad? Like, yeah, all of it is just, exactly. I've never met a man in real life that's ever going to police what you eat, firstly. Secondly, I don't know if that's like me being privileged and like not dealing with trash bag men, fine. But then also, it's like a thing that's perpetuated in film and TV that men don't actually do like a, a man is not gonna be like imagine if you said that like i said that to my partner i was like what would you do if i if i called you up in the middle of the night and told you why i ate that day he was just like i would listen <laughs> yeah that's what we have. <laughs> like i literally like so my the sometimes the most exciting conversations i have with my with like my friends who are men 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 
It's like, oh, what we're going to eat before we go and do yeah. this? Or what we're going to, we've got lunch plans. Where are we going Where for lunch? Go? Yeah. Yeah. Where are we going to go? We've got like, here's the list. Here's my itinerary. Here's the list of things I recommend. What you're feeling. And it's like, it's just the excitement of eating. And also, like you said, there's a privilege to it that both of us have got very nice, lovely men in our lives. And whether they're partners or friendships, but yeah, it's exactly. just... Again, it's one of those things that men don't do. Well, we can, from our experience, men don't particularly do that. And so it feels like this really weird, like... Yeah, it's like false, a very weird trope. False thing. Yeah. False thing that was pushed on to women. Because again, this film, like you said, this film is made for women. So women can't eat. To, if they do eat, the men are going to be turned off by them. But then if a woman is then way too skinny to the point where she's like, like she's too gross looking but she can't eat at the same time and it's one of those things that I just like worry because it makes me kind of just like sad because we were growing up with these films and that obviously has such an impression on young girls minds and just their relationship with food yeah and so it's one of those really frustrating things hopefully and luckily we're growing out of it I think and also I think a lot of women I want to speak for myself, don't particularly care about um, how I, like, if I come off as someone who likes food because I really like food and it's... Imagine if you went on a date and someone was just like, oh, what do you mean you're getting a burger? I'd be like... It was just like, I haven't, I've had, once I've had an argument with a guy about, like, the food I like and he was like, I really don't like that. And I was like, yeah, great. Then there's more for me then, isn't there? And he was just like, oh, he was just like rude about it. And I was like, what, why are you annoyed that I eat? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm a human too. I need to, I need fuel, just like just, everyone else does. <sighs> oh, it's it so just, none anyway. of it makes it. Anyway, it's a stupid thing in this film. And now that you've said that, I'm like, I can really pinpoint at least five times that it's happened in this film alone, and that's mm-hmm. actually made me more annoyed about it. Um, and then my second thing is that there's a lot of like casual appropriation in this film, which I'm not down for. So, in the like team meeting. Um, because obviously the the 2000s is a really weird like time vortex for fashion, and they work at a fashion magazine, a fashion magazine, and Lana's wearing traditional Chinese dress, so kind of like the same ones that are worn in high society of like, I think it was like the 80s or the 90s, and then that became like a very like fashionable thing, um, for like white people. And I really just mm. didn't enjoy it. And, like, there's just a lot of casual, both appropriation and, like, weirdness about other cultures. Like, again, this is another film. Like, there's no one colour in this film. Apart from the basketball players. Oh like, that's it. Oh, and they go to an Indian... Re- no, but they go to an Indian restaurant and everyone there is white, except for the people in the kitchen. Yeah, and there's the poker game. Where there's oh, yeah, yeah. One two no probably just one personal color in that yeah in that shot in that scene um but the, there's no prominent person of color no. in this film at all because again because new york is a very <laughs> even though it's a very diverse city apparently it's only white people in films yeah there's like an east asian girl on the team of the magazine writers and they all take the piss out of her in the team meeting because she's like everything is like she's t- saying that she's written some horrible columns but then she's like, but they're upbeat, but still upbeat, and they're all taking the piss out of her. And I'm just like, okay, cool. So yeah. that's how we're gonna play she, the function. 
then so she's got chopsticks in her hair and then the, lana says something like who's that chic buddhist that um i think it's like sylvester someone like famous like cavorts with and the other girl's like do you mean the dalai lama <laughs> like i was just sitting there like oh my god this bad this film has aged so badly because oh, like we're just okay with casual racism and casual cultural appropriation it's all the um it's like the stuff that's not it's so indirect and it's just like it's like the the throwaway comments that no one would call out yeah. because there's no one there to it, it's not that the there's there's not no one really there to call them out and then if they were there's no one to back them up right. or they don't feel like it's a safe space to but yes it was kind of all okay but then again this film has got misogyny in it racism and appropriation in it so it's sick all the boxes yeah. or most of them for being awful Did you think that there was anything, like writing wise? So, but there it was just dialogue <laughs> it was or. So uh, <laughs> there was a lot. I feel like the dialogue is probably worth talking about it's just because so, it was so oh, stupid. Can I just say? So they're like meet cute. Um, at, oh, wait. Let's firstly let's talk about their names: Andy Anderson and Thank Benjamin you. Barry. Don't they sound like they should be yogurts? <laughs> noted down why is it a a and b b like why is it yeah the two first letters of the alphabet and why are they like uh why is it alliteration essentially and also there was also speaking of the names there is a scene where he gets a call while he's in a meeting no is it a scene there's a scene where he's either at work or he's with his guy friends but someone under their breath says is that a real name like andy and then someone responds <laughs> andy with a ie like because he, it, for some reason, hasn't, like... Has he not ever... Does he not understand that, that that's... A, first of all, that's a nickname for probably a longer name. But it's also Andy could be yeah. a unisex name too. But. Yeah, no, someone says it also at... Um, when he takes her home to her, his parents, he introduces her to his... Oh, I've seen brother-in-law. Yeah, and he's police like, guy. Police guy. Please yeah, he says, he says Andy. And then he said, no, the mum introduces her as Andy. And he's like female andy and she and then the mom's like yeah ie and i was like why did you leave that in there it's so weird but that piece of dialogue is really strange because it's yeah it's 100%. just why is that the question necessary ask? yeah it was a, it was a stupid bit to keep in like edit that out yeah. i don't feel like it needed it yeah but okay so just going back to that so their meet cute is in a bar as you said mm-hmm. and they exchange like literally six words or was it eight words, maybe? So they just randomly start saying stuff like, um, unattached? And he's like, and she says, yeah. He says, surprising. And it's just so, it, it's like, it's supposed to be charming, but it's so stupid. It's like two robots talking to each other. Like, and then yeah. all Kate Hudson does through that whole scene is just smile. Like, smile, because yeah. she's so taken aback by how handsome he is. Ugh. Yeah. Also, no woman is going home with a man that has literally said four words to her. I'm sorry, but absolutely not. We're not leaving with men. No. (laughs) And then, like, and then... Also, this made me did think about Matthew McConaughey's character because it's kind of hinted before the deal kind of gets brought up that he's not been very successful with women before because 
We don't really get told why. He's just not been able to hold. I don't think it's successful. I think it's successful, but for the one night only. Like, he doesn't care to... He's not a long-term person. Yeah. And he's... Yeah. So... I hate that trope as well. Just get... Can we not? It's so annoying. (laughs) Men have feelings too. Come on. And um, it's just frustrating, but... And it... He has a motorbike... (laughs) That was my point. <laughs> he just has a he has a motorbike and it's just, really annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's really annoying. It's like they really it, make a big deal out of it in this film, don't it's they? Literally, just like you might as well tell us now that his dick is tiny. So. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's so funny because it's just so it's so funny. It's just like a th- it's like a part of his personality which is so annoying, and you know, yeah, one hundred percent. He, he has a massive conversation about it like later on in the film and I was like, are we still talking about this? It's It's been an hour and a half. Like, we don't need it. It's like, don't date guys who are obsessed with cars, maybe? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's like a type of guy that like, they're, yeah. per- that, they're really into mo- things that, mo- I don't know, motorbikes, cars. Know. It's just, because like, the thing That'd is they nice. won't, they won't talk, they won't shut up about it. And it's like, yeah. that's their only interest. Anyway. He's that guy. But, okay, so my, why I brought this up is because he then takes her to a restaurant because he's like, are you, so he's he says, hungry. She says, starving. So then they leave. Then they get onto this motorbike. She's obviously disappointed that it's a motorbike, but she kind of has to get on it because she's trying to win this thing. This Sorry, do this article, not win a thing. And he takes her to a seafood restaurant, which I enjoy. But she says, this is the single most annoying piece of dialogue. She says, true or false, all is fair in love and war. I wrote that down too. And he says, true. And then she's like, great answer. And I was like, shut up. Like, And they they did it as well by they punctuated it with this like swelling music in the background. Like he was making this revelationary piece of art. And it was, <laughs> I can't even express myself because it just, I hated it. Yeah. I hated it because you definitely know that like down the line in their relationship because spoiler alert they actually get together in the end but obviously uh, they get together but you know that like that would be like a quote that's framed or something in their kitchen or like (laughs) in their bathroom it's like their version of live laugh love yeah etc and it's just bullshit but the thing they so they she agrees that she's hungry because it and also the face that kate hudson makes is like she's just remembering that she has the ability to eat because it like she's been (laughs) nursing the same cosmo oh no martini martini yeah yeah ages and then she's just like oh yeah i am hungry oh my goodness and then they go and eat like a fuck ton of lobster and i was so jealous yeah, I know, me too. I was like, oh, I, could, I could really eat that meal right now. Yeah. Uh, so nice. And then they introduce each other. They kind of like talk about their jobs. And that's when you kind of get to know that she wants to be more than just a writer for a women's magazine. But so she wants to write something political. She literally writes, she literally says, I have a master's degree from Columbia. I have a master's in journalism from Columbia. Name and I wanted to throw the lobster <laughs> at her. Like, <laughs> Let we get just, it, girl. Let, Be proud of your me, achievements, but also, can we not? Let me just name drop the fact that I went to an Ivy League. I went yeah. to Ivy League University. Like, oh, And also, dear. this is an international film, so I have to say a film that internationally is recognised because no one else yeah. will know. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so then they 
go back to his and then that I, I kind of like forgot about this bit I don't know then there's like other day the next day oh then she per but she does leave her bag there she leaves her bag there which is like a tactic and there was a bit where like it's uh Matthew McConaughey's character and his like friends and they're just looking at it like it's like a bomb essentially like like like, and then they knock it over and all the content falls out and they like go to it like they're performing an operation or it's like a crime scene and it's so dramatic and I'm just like whose idea was to write this into the script like why are they being why guys being so dramatic about a woman's purse like to quote I wrote down a woman's purse is their secret source of power there's dark and dangerous things in there that aren't for us essentially okay and I was like, guys, what lies okay? have you been told? Yes. <laughs> that is, mate, we carry the exact same things as you. We just have to carry bags because our clothes don't have pockets. Pocket propaganda. Was there any other, okay, I mean, there's not, that's like sort of, there's loads of other weird dialogue in this there's film. really, I feel like this dialogue is just really bad. And then also, okay, we're going to talk about this now. And you have to look at me when I say this. But, oh no, okay, <laughs> sorry. The line that he comes up with, trust yourself. How much did you hate it? I knew you were going to make that face. Holly just gagged. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I uh... wanted to like throw my like laptop out of the window. I was just like, what do you, what? What? I hate this. Do you know what? And this is a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Go off, girl. Go off. <laughs> in films, in American films, you don't just come up with copy, like with headlines or strategy lines like that. You have to write like loads, and you don't like fair. You have conversations in pubs or in bars that are really casual because that's like happens. But ugh, it's not that easy, <laughs> and also no. obviously it's such a shit line because it yeah. doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. You don't think of frost yourself and think of diamonds, so it's so bad and this is what I hate and I don't like I'm not gonna stand up and be an advocate for the advertising industry because whatever but like it's so pick a different career because it's <laughs> m- probably much easier to like write about pick your character's career differently that's it's so frustrating but they think it's genius and it's it not. makes me so angry and but the thing that made me laugh so hard was that Walter is that I think his name's Walter he shouts out the window. He's like, women of New York, frost yourselves. And the other lady shouts like, frost you. And it just made me laugh so hard because I was like, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Like <laughs> Because you've literally, you've just proven that it doesn't work exactly. to your audience. Exactly. Oh, it's so frustrating. I was like, you just made I a case and point I... in your own stupid film that it doesn't work. So why have you kept, why are you running with it? Yeah, and like the boss who owns this advertising company is deciding to run a campaign that doesn't make any sense. And even though he's just proven that it doesn't work, oh, it's so annoying. It makes, and like if someone, like if I went and pr- pr- proposed that, I'd get, I'd be like, no, go, kill that idea and go back and give me 10 more. Um, ugh, it's so frustrating. And, um, yeah, I really just, I really hated the representation of the advertising. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's like, but it's the same. It I hated need it. Any representation I hated it about the like magazine stuff as well. I was just like, okay, um, 
the fact that Lana makes everyone take off their shoes when they have their team meeting, all of this. That was so weird. <laughs> Sorry. I was just saying that, that like, so weird. what is this? And also, like, if you're the fastest women, fastest growing women's magazine in the country, and you don't have time to do shit like this, and when you have team meetings, they're gonna be more high stress than what you've just done. I hated it. I hated exactly. all of it. Also, also, I quickly mention. So we've mentioned earlier that um, Matthew McConaughey's character is trying to get on this pitch from um, that a female team have already got, and. There's something really frustrating about how they are dressed compared to him. Oh, and it yep. makes it makes me really annoyed because in in the creative industries and advertising, it's like pretty when you're maybe when you're high up, yeah, sure, wear dress a bit smartly, but you don't have to wear a suit. Like you don't never really ever have to wear a suit at all. You just have to kind of be like a nice shirt and some trousers. The lower you are, like you could probably get away with just coming in with like jeans. Yeah. I, like I've definitely worked with under like worked with people that like high up people who work in like ratted t-shirts and jeans because yeah. it doesn't care it doesn't matter but for, for whatever reason whoever styled this or designed the characters for this they are dressed in like women's pencil skirt suits and Matthew McConaughey can wear like a loose casual shirt and jeans mm-hmm. and change at work because he's sweaty from his motorbike and it's really strange like how the contrast because they're are they supposed to be presented as these uptight evil women because they are trying to get further in their career or whatever it is. I don't know. It was just really annoying and I hated that. Yeah, definitely. But they also kind of slut shame them as well because um the taller, slimmer girl, she's like wearing a really mm. plunging blouse to work in. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. Like in no in no like industry are you gonna wear stuff like that to a, a meeting with your boss? I'm sorry, but you're just not. There's a there's a cleavage shot because she's wearing a diamond a necklace. Yeah, isn't yeah, she? yeah. Yeah, there's a cleavage shot. Just a lot of it's it. Frustrating. Is, it is really unnecessary because he's like, yeah, as you said, like dressed quite casually in comparison. And then, then on the flip side, they the way that they've dressed Andy is also weird because they work at a fashion magazine, and I'm just like, None what are any of you wearing? Yeah, it. Just, I, I hate it when they do stuff like that. Like, if you're going to do things like that, then put in the continuity, like, put in the work. At least in, like... <laughs> at least in 13 going on 30, because she works in a magazine at that point as well, at least their outfits are memorable and funny and iconic, you know, um, some cultural insensitive, insensitivities aside. But this one, I was just like... You could have just... You could have just worked anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Well, that comes onto that comes to like props and costumes. Costume was there anything that really stood out or slash disliked? I quite liked the only thing. I mean, there's no real standout thing about anything that they wore. I guess like the end the dress, the yellow dress, yeah, the the yellow golden dress. And I mean, Kate Hudson has this thing. She wears. There's two times where she's properly dressed up at the beginning, where they go to the bar, and at the end, where she goes to the party. And both of her dresses have backless. like um open mm. back, they're backless, and I guess and it's, I don't even know if they're doing a thing with that or not, but it's just this it's just similar. Yeah. But I wondered if that dress was supposed to make an impact because also I had a hmm I had a bit of a issue with this party mostly because 
beforehand they were like we should have a party where everything is like frosted to go with the theme blah 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 so you instantly think oh ice and winter but then no one is dressed like that no. and maybe i missed I... something and then the i didn't really get it but there was i guess the one person that stood out was the fa- the brand's owner yeah. the wife was all in red and her hair she stood out completely but other than that there wasn't really anything to do with props or... There was, like, some li- little things that were just, like, interesting that I noted down. So, in the first bit when they meet and they go back to Ben's house, he's sitting on, like, a bench in front mm-hmm. of his bed. And are we just supposed to not talk about how there's a big fuck-off mirror right opposite his massive double bed? <laughs> I didn't even yeah. notice that. That's so yeah. gross. So there's just random stuff like that. Um, I really did like the dog, the dog, in Burberry and matching diamond collar, which made me laugh a lot. Um, that that dog is yeah. So I gross. hate to put that, no but you know, all all dogs are cuties. Um, <laughs> um, I guess yeah. Those were the things that kind of stood out for me. There's a lot of pool tables as well, which I found I feel like this is the most time I've seen pool tables on screen in a film i think that thing that with things like that like pool tables poker tables it's like this this imagery of like masculinity that is just like it's like oh an advertising agency has a pool table for like fun little five ten minute breaks for them to have fun oh a guy has like a pool like a poker table in his house wow (laughs) okay what would we have changed about this film to make it good a lot of things. I think this film could potentially be made, but in a different way. Like, do we need the bet vibe? No. It could focus around the article. I think this film could be made now, but it would be vastly different because it would have had incorporated social media. Yeah, for sure. It would obviously be a much more diverse cast and it probably would have been obviously two very different jobs. She would have worked at BuzzFeed. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah. Or like um, yeah, an online sort of magazine. I think it could have been made in with the... the com- there could have been more of a comedy side to it if it would yeah, maybe be made sure. now. But not in the cringy way that mm. this film has, like the 2003 one has. I would say that this... Like, because cringe comedy like that doesn't work anymore now because it's just too painful to watch, I think. I think there's a difference in... There's a different type of comedy that could be used. But then again, is the premise strong enough to be made now? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I don't know. Like, they definitely really have to change the story for it to be made now. Yeah. Um, ca- Casting changes... I I don't I don't think I care enough to change the cast, but yeah, I mean they'd all have to be changed if we're talking about the same age demographics. Obviously, this is two thousand three. We need it for twenty twenty one. But I just think that you'd have to take out so much of this film that would there even be a film left? Because none of that like misogynistic internal misogynistic stuff will fly. Like there's whole scenes about. When they try and pick the girl for Ben, because, oh, we didn't even mention this, but the two female creatives, they pick the girl in the bar that Ben has to um, win over in 10 days. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they pick out Andy because they'd just been for a meeting at Composure and knew she was the how-to girl, but obviously didn't like tell Ben that. 
And um, yeah. And like just before they're picking her, they kind of make a show out of like the other woman they could pick. And they say like really mean things about the other women. And they're just like, no, like she look and you know, um they pick one lady who's a bit on the caviar side and he's just like, Be nice, ladies, be nice and I was just like, ill. Like I know people judge people obviously like aesthetically in a bar, but really? Also, I hate his response. Yeah, exactly. You're saying that to like look better than you actually are because you're still laughing yeah, at it. Yeah, you're still part of the problem. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, there's a whole thing that um in Lana, Lana's like team meeting that she calls Michelle, who's Catherine Hahn's character. She, she's like um, well, she doesn't tell her, but um, the other friend tells her that she hasn't got a idea for an article because she's just been dumped and everyone's just like oh yeah but you look great and then Lana's like you look so good and uh, Catherine Hahn's response is thanks I haven't eaten since the breakup and Lana says that's so good good for you <laughs> I'm like what yeah oh it's so no- it's like it's like oh don't worry about our like emotional state as long as we look all right we're fun. We're like yeah, we're worth something. But, and exactly, we're worth something. Those nuances that make up this film is like very dependent on women being catty to other women, and then like believing that mm. one type of behavior is gonna drive away a man, and also that that's kind of your your like thing that you need to do. And you know, I I just hate these stupid like ad at odds rom-coms where you like you already know what's gonna happen in the first five minutes you know that they're gonna get together at the end that they're gonna like this bet's gonna happen the, the feelings are gonna be hurt the climax is gonna happen someone's gonna chase the other person and then they're gonna get back together like the climax of this film was so stupid and so horrible they literally both find out on the same night of the stupid party that one of them's bet on the other and then the other one's writing an article so they both do the stupid petty thing of they get on stage and do a, the most awful karaoke to that um you're so vain which also hated the the party is ridiculous i got so and it's also when these things happen i'm kind of like why are you angry you're doing the exact kind of the exact same awful thing to the guy like you both are doing awful things to each other yeah. i get that you're angry and you're being hurt but it's like not just one rule for you and another rule for other people. So their, exactly, their argument, exactly. their blow up was just a bit ridiculous. Yeah. And then, so my point of this was that, so they have this argument, mm. fine. They do this awful scene, but then their makeup is so underwhelming. So he realized, she writes this article, it goes out, his friend makes him read it. It's a, apparently really nice. We don't know because we don't know what it says. They never read it out or whatever. Um, but she basically they do that lazy thing of they put the like big parts that you need to read in like these quotation marks of the article and it basically just rounds up that she's lost the only man that she's ever really loved and she's this is her last article for composure and then she's like driving to maybe the airport to go for an interview and he drives across the bridge makes taxi driver pull over and then the way that they reconcile is the stupidest thing ever so they have this whole like heart to heart not even a heart to heart she kind of says stuff he says something and then he just goes 
bullshit. Oh yeah, because it's like a. And then she's like, I. Uh. I it's like a recurring theme because of the card game. And then she's like, are you calling my bluff? And then they kiss. And that is the end of the film, which is not... That's not a resolution, yeah. firstly. Secondly, you both should not be together. Like, you both lied to each other's faces and it's, you're awful. And, I mean... This film is made for women. Like, women want a resolution. This is not a resolution, but No, there's no, like... I feel like there isn't an apology either. No, there's no like no. yeah exactly there's exactly she's going to washington because she uh, ha- has said that she obviously wants to write for politics and she wants to do political journalism and in her mind it's like washington is the only place that she can go and do that and i mean fine fair but then he makes a point saying you can write from anywhere and then for whatever reason that's like the good enough reason to stay i don't know he doesn't make a good yeah. case for her to say good enough case at all no also it's okay also it's that s- typical scenario where a guy puts a woman into a scenario she can't escape because they're all stuck on this bridge where she has no way yeah. the only way she <laughs> exactly. can escape is by getting back into the taxi and forcing the taxi driver to drive away or jump off a bridge, which she's not going to do. And so she's forced to say yeah. yes because she can't, there's no other way out of this scenario. It's so, so it's one, it's like, it's supposed to look romantic, but it's not because she has no other option. Realistically, doesn't really have another option because she's stuck in a situation no. that she can't get out of. And again, like you said, I wouldn't, I agree I wouldn't accept his I wouldn't accept to go back to him because you guys like how do you trust anyone after that <laughs> like they had the yeah exactly exactly like, the, the weirdest 10 day relationship and then you're deciding to go and also he says before this he says I want the smart like ambitious like political writer-esque like you know funny um Andy back and I'm like but you saw that version of her for like for what? probably about four hours maximum so yeah what yeah. what are you talking about here <laughs> exactly and also they really take the piss out of Catherine Hahn's character for like um being in love with this guy after a week and I'm like you guys have done the same thing but it's okay if you yeah, guys Catherine do Hahn it. Gets done make it make sense story. Ollie make it make sense I also quite like that Catherine Hahn does get a bit of a happy ending though that's quite nice. And yeah, I, I will I, say one of I my favourite scenes in this film is when they go to couples therapy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, couples I forgot Couples therapy about that. after like, what, nine, <laughs> ten days of dating? No, no, no. It's after one week. One week. Seven days one, of dating. One week. And Catherine Hart, and obviously it's all staged, so Catherine Hart plays the therapist. Obviously, yeah. Matthew McConaughey doesn't know that this is Andy's friend. And I <gasps> love... Can I just say, but that's the... That's the other point, cultural appropriation, she's wearing a caftan. Sorry, you just reminded me. Anyway, mm, carry on. But Catherine Hahn plays... Hated it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it, but I liked the idea that Catherine Hahn had a bit more screen time. And she was very funny. She does. She was a very com- good yeah, comedic sure. actress. Um, that was probably like the, mo- the, the... Out of all of the scenes, I think that was the one I enjoyed the most. Um, just because Catherine Hahn. But um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, does this film have any cultural impact? Um, 
it's kind of just lumped together with all of the other early 2000 rom-coms, I would say. In my opinion. I guess it, I guess it does because I still think about that gold dress a lot. And it does because... I am not surprised, Shanaina. It's very you. It, <laughs> That's I a very know. you thing to do. You know, you know, I'm like a... I can't say no to a gold dress. Um, but also the... The chemistry. I feel like... Was this the first Matthew McConaughey, Kate Hudson hookup film? I feel like they've done a few since and... Maybe that's the cultural impact is like them working together and then carrying on working together rather than the film itself. Yeah. And um this was this came after the wedding planner. So the wedding planner was in two thousand and one and Oh, what a film. And that had J Lo in it. And I know we should watch, I, we should do that here. I think that's when we first agreed to do this film. I was like, wait, hang on. This is Matthew McConaughey, but which what am I remembering that he's in? Because they were so yeah. close together and they're yeah. two rom coms. So sometimes I'm just like I have a photo I have a vivid image of him on a horse. No, yeah, that's in that, wedding planner. That's from a different that's from a yeah. different film. And then he's um he's in the Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. Yeah. But, was like that? he for that's in 2009, but for like early yeah. 2000s, he was. Yeah, because he did in like Fool's um... Gold with Kate Hudson. I don't, I can't remember when that came out. Maybe 2006? 2008. Um, okay, and then and he then did like. Failure to Launch. Yeah, and Sahara, which is like a weird one because it's like an adventure film, but then it's got that rom com element with Penelope Cruz in it. Um, yeah. He was yeah, going yeah. through a phase, man. He was going through a phase. <laughs> we like it for him, happy for him, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like they collaborated a lot off this, but I think it was the first <sighs> film they did together. Yes, yeah, I, uh, yeah you're right. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Wow, what was your rating out of ten? I gave it a five because I think even though there's loads of things that I have picked out that I don't like about it, I felt like this has been a more this was an enjoyable watch. Like, I felt like I could watch it. And like, yeah, I screamed at the TV a lot. And I was just like, oh, a lot. But it was so much more enjoyable than some of the films that we've been watching recently. Like, I had a way better time watching this than I did Aragon, Ghost Rider, The Butterfly Effect, any of those. Like, Bright was awful. So this one felt like a, like a nice reprieve from the crap that we've watched recently even though it was crap but because you kind of expect <laughs> this is so bad for me to say but because you expect this film to be bad you kind of enjoy it more because you kind of revel in the mm. in the like stupidity of it like because also it's not masquerading as a good film which i enjoy about no, it you it know it kind of knows the kind yeah of film it is, i would say yeah for sure yeah. so that's what i appreciated about it and for that i you know I'm here for it. Like I like I'd would I rewatch it? Yeah, probably. Like I watched it in the background a few times. Like I wouldn't probably sit through it again, but you know, have it on in the background as like a filler of noise film, but it's just kind of there, you know? Yeah, I gave it a four yep. out of ten. But that's mostly just because of I can't I'm not the best at like cringy yeah. like humour. Yeah. Um 
It just made me feel a bit uncomfortable. And also the misrepresentation of advertising. Just yeah. really hit a nerve. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think... <laughs> all, all, also... I don't particularly care about that. I think there's other more important representation. Yeah. But I think sure. it's mostly just like... The cringes... I gave it higher than other ones just because I really do enjoy like early 2000 rom-coms. Yeah. I just have such a... Nostalgic. Soft spot for Yeah, me. for sure. Yeah. Um, I it's also think that this film them. made me... I would like gave this film a bit of a high rating because I watched it with my partner who'd never seen it and I found his reaction so funny that it like really made the film more oh, enjoyable did... for me. Give me some Robin Tibbets. Oh what did he my say? god. He like <laughs> screamed. He like groaned out loud when um they went to the Indian restaurant and the waitress was a white lady wearing a bindi. Um, so he was like, are you fucking joking? So he was so angry, which made me laugh really hard. Because I was like, yeah, this is how I feel on a daily basis, but it's nice to hear it from someone else. And then he was like, and also, why is they just, like, why is he putting so much salt on the food? Um, he was just like, what do you mean? <laughs> and then he, he visibly, like, blanched when she was like, to the waitress, my boy, I can't eat in front of my boyfriend because he said that I look fat. And he put his hands on his face and <laughs> and I started, like, I was crying because I was laughing so hard. It just made me laugh so hard because I just saw the, like, horror on his face of, like, recognition of that, like, being a man and having that happen to you in a restaurant and everyone just looking at you like, I fucking hate you, was so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Uh, he knows how ridiculous this film is, though. Yeah. He also really scoffed at the um the Delawa lady and her stupid advert. You know, they did the like green screen and her advert <laughs> Which made me oh. laugh a lot as well. <laughs> uh, Holly's just got her head her hands so, on her head. I I can't even acknowledge it. It made me so upset. Yeah. Um okay, so what do you think the IMDB score was? Oh, that's a good shout. Four and a half? Four point six? Mm, higher. No. Uh, <laughs> what, five? Six? Hi, 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 uh, oh, nearly. Nearly. It's higher than five. Oh, like 5.7? 6.4 out of 10. <gasps> that's so much higher than I expected it to be. Yes, I'm very surprised by it, actually. Oh my god! <laughs> 6.4! Wow. Mm. Okay. What about Rotten Tomatoes? I feel like lower. Percentage. Maybe like 47? Oh, you were so close. 42. Oh, no! <laughs> so close! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just thought because of the box office, it might score a little bit higher, but yeah. Fair. I'm surprised by the box office still, to be honest. Now we've actually. We're on the other end of talking about it, and we've picked out all the bad things. But I guess, like, I guess hindsight, time, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's well, yeah, at the time it was, uh, um, you know, big. I will also say the poster's really memorable, yeah, for sure. I think it's supposed to them two like leaning against each other, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's in like her gold dress. I feel like it's but, a good poster, um, yeah. She's not, she's not, she's she's got clothes. Yeah. So that's a big. The bare thing minimum. That, the bar think, is so low. That's a big. Yeah, that's a big design progress mm. for early two thousand rom com films. Mm. Usually, the women don't have clothes on. Gwyneth Paltrow was considered for the Kate Hudson's role. No, uh, this film is not the same film with 
Gwyneth Paltrow in it. It's not as she can't. I don't think she could carry off. She could pull off Andy Anderson. Oh wait, Gwyneth Paltrow was attached to it, and Mike Newell was attached to it, who directed Goblet of Fire and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Interesting. But then they both had to drop out because they read the script. Paltrow, that <laughs> probably, and Paltrow was working on View from the Top. The yellow dress was created by the costume designer who worked on the film, Carolina Herrera. And the necklace, like you said, was called the Isadora Diamond, named after Isadora Duncan. Yeah, the dancer. The American dancer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, was worth $6 million, which is so A lot of money, money isn't it? Business. It's kind of like... But then it's... Maybe the cultural relevance is both the poster, Matthew McConaughey's and Kate Hudson's working relationship, but also, like, jewellery on screen. I can think of, like, a few of those rom-coms that really had that... So this one... And then in, what is that film with Jennifer Lopez in it? Made in Manhattan. And she wears the Harry Winston diamond necklace. And yeah, I just think mm-hmm. about the 2000s and their jewellery iconography. I feel like that's the thing. Is it? Yeah, definitely. I don't feel like they do that as much the, anymore. Um, yes. The uh, general review, there was only a couple of reviews, but Matthew McConaughey, it says Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson's Kate Hudson are very charming together, but they cannot overcome how silly and predictable, how silly the premise is and how predictable the script is, which is, is kind of exactly what we've said. Like, it's a really, really silly premise. It's not, um, I would say the premise is just not big enough. Like, it's not, there's, there's, it's no. not strong enough. It's not strong enough. To grant a two hour film. It's two hours. No. It's so long. This film could have been, I feel like they could have done this film in, an hour and 20. I don't think they even needed an hour they and a half. They could have cut out a lot of um, ridiculous dates they've gone on, I think. Yeah. Basically. But, um, yeah. Send us recommendations, if you feel like. Uh, badpod at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, see you next week. Bye. Do you love the Bad Film Club? Consider supporting us through the ACAR supporter feature. It's up to you how much you want to give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in our show description to support us in any way that you can. We really appreciate it.